We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Did you finish Did you that? Did that? <laughs> we're, we're about halfway there. We're just saying that it's off to a nice start. Why does it have to be all or nothing all the time? Like, what am I doing? I'm doing it for the show. Field of 68 till I die. This is the Field of 68 After Dark Show, the only place that you need to be for college hoops every single night. Welcome to the Wednesday evening edition of the Field of 68 After Dark. We are live now on YouTube. We are live on Sirius XM Channel 84. My name is Rob Doster. I have with me former Louisville and Xavier head coach, Chris Mack. It's a little bit sensitive subject right now for me. I don't feel great about it, but we got to do what we got to do. We work through it on the field of 68. We do what we have to do. And I also have Wake Forest legend Randolph Childress. We have a lot to get into tonight. We're going to be talking about these games. Indiana is currently losing with under two minutes left to Minnesota. Alabama looks like they're starting to pull away from Mississippi State. We got to get into a conversation about Texas Tech. They are 0-8 in the Big 12. It is their worst start in that conference in 11 seasons are Auburn frauds. It's a big talking point, at least around here. And we're going to discuss uh, five coaches that look like they are in position to keep themselves off of the hot seat this year. But before we do all of that, we got to talk about the elephant in the room. My Yukon Huskies lost at home to Xavier. I'm going to call them Chris Max Xavier Musketeers, uh, 82 to 79. And actually, the second half was the best that we've seen UConn play this year. But Xavier, they were just too good. Chris, what are your takeaways? How good are these Musketeers? They're good, you know, especially on the offensive end. I think they're still trying to figure out, you know, what Sean wants on the defensive end. And you can tell that, you know, there's a little frustration from time to time because that's what he wants his team's identity to be. But, you know, that the hole they put UConn in in the first half, was just it's just too much, you know, and, and you give UConn credit because I thought they played their tails off in the second half. Mm-hmm. Jordan Hawkins was unbelievable. Um, but just a couple plays down the stretch, I thought UConn's zone, you know, bothered Xavier as much as anything they did all game in the second half. Uh, I think they were doing that because they couldn't guard him in the first. But, you know, to me, Xavier's a, a really, obviously a really good team. And I think they're only going to get better because he's going to continue to forge that identity that he wants on the defensive end. RC. Yeah. I mean, same thing with Chris just said, I mean, I, I mean, we, 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 you know, we've been talking about these guys for quite some time. They're a handful because they got, they, they, they go into a game with 
five guys going in double figures, you know it. So whether what guy they got guards that can close it. So who they don't have to rely on. A lot of these teams are coming in playing, relying on one or two guys that has to score. And then you kind of go around it. This team is built that way. And we, Sean's, Sean's been on their butt about defense all year long, but their offense is so good. It's putting so, so much pressure on teams defensively that their defense is, you know, it's coming around. They're giving effort and they're getting better. But uh, I mean, offensively, what do you do? I mean, they were carving <laughs> UConn up. I mean, if they had stayed, man, that would have been, been a major blowout. If they had stayed, man. The zone was the only thing that kept them in the game. And, you know, they're bigs for a while, Rob. They, they were hedging. I'm talking about UConn. They, they were hedging. And then the ball's getting thrown back, and, and UConn's going full rotation. And the IQ that Xavier has on the floor, uh, from Kobe Jones to Kunkel uh, to Sully Boom and Desmond Claude off the bench, like those guys had the ability to spray the ball around and find the open man. And, you know, to me, there's just so, so much balance in their lineup on the offensive end that it's, it's scary. Yeah. You know, like a guy could have six points, for instance, at UConn and not be maybe much of a factor that we're talking about. The next game, he could have 20. And when you have an offense like that and you have bigs that are smart, know how to hand the ball, roll, pop, man, it puts a lot of pressure on the defense. And um, there haven't been a lot of teams in the Big East that have had answers for them on that end of the floor. Yeah, no one's going to have answers for them. Uh, part of the issue is you have two big guys that – uh, that can both shoot, and it just puts so much pressure on a defense with the rotations. Chris, I want to ask you this because you kind of touched on this a little bit earlier. Sean has been a guy for most of his career where his identity as a coach has been like defense, 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 and then we'll figure it out enough offensively. We'll have enough athletes. We'll we'll find a way to get it done, right? And now you're looking at a team that's routinely given up 75, 80, 85, 90 points and still winning games. Did you – you've known him for a long time. Did you ever think that you'd see a Sean Miller coach team being, you know what, if we got to play a game in the nineties, we'll beat you in the nineties. No, but I also don't think Rob, that, that that's what he wants. Like, you know, forever on the offensive end. Trust me. I, I think that he really spent a lot of time watching film, watching teams that he respected teams that were hard to guard. He watched a lot of Euro league. Like Sean is a junkie. You know, like, don't let him fool you that he was, you know, oh, watching Netflix. Oh, I know, man. Yeah, I know. Trust know. me. I know my text was blowing up last year. I'm kind of glad that he's coaching so that my phone gets a little bit of a break. Yeah. Like, you know, he, he's not watching, you know, breaking bad or, you know, um, he's not, he's not watching that <laughs> stuff. He just, he is watching film. And I think he really took the year because he he wholeheartedly believes in the way that his teams want to defend and how he wants them to defend. And, and there's always going to be an element of toughness in everything that he does. But I think offensively, and he's got the right pieces to do it, um, you know, I think he saw a lot of free-flowing, conceptual, uh, you know, rolling bigs, popping bigs, handoff. Um, you know, I, I think that's very, very difficult to guard. And his ball – on his team is popping. It is moving around. And again, if you have two threats, you can pop the ball, all, you know, all around you want not to dis, you know, dismiss UConn a little bit, but like Andre Jackson, you saw it. They're playing mm -hmm. five versus four tonight when they're playing way off of them. And you can't do that with Xavier, but I do think Sean spent a heck of a lot of time really studying how he wanted to play offense in his next opportunity. You know, RC, one of the things we, we, we've talked a lot about, Sule Boom on the show. We've talked about Colby Jones and the threat that having two 
uh, two ball handlers provide. And, you know, we've we've given Zach Fremantle his props when he's needed, and then we've talked about how good Jack Nungy can be. One of the things that we've criticized Xavier for has been their depth. Maybe they don't have someone coming off the bench. Maybe they only go for five guys. Zach Fremantle, he was in foul trouble the whole game, didn't really have an impact. So you know what? Jerome Hunter comes off the bench, 11 points, five or six from the floor. Des Claude comes off the bench, New Haven's finest. He has six points, three assists. He had that dunk. He made a couple of hustle plays. Like, they're starting to find a little bit of depth, and that's not a good thing for Big East opponents, and that's not a good thing for teams nationally. That's not a team you just want to play because, like Chris said, the ball's popping. So when the ball's moving, the ball is dictating who gets the shot. And, and they got guard play, and boom, is a closer. So when it, it ended the game, he's going to the line. He's nailing free throws. You don't want to foul him. So any given night, you can't go into a game. It's an advantage when you get to go in a game, and I'm like, hey, I'm going against Chris. We're going to blitz Chris off his ball screens. Whenever he comes off, we're blitzing him every time. He's the focal point. You play this team – you just got to stick to your concepts and principles because it could be any guy. You can't go against this team and say, I'm going to take this guy away because there's so many guys that, that can hurt you. The ball's moving. They can hurt you in so many different ways. Ball screen guys, bigs rolling, bigs posting up cutters. It's just, it's just, it's just a difficult, it's a nightmare because you just literally have to say, we're going to stick to our principles and that's it. So you got to have get a hell of a defensive effort if you're going to beat this team. And I, I think sometimes their defense, you know, we're not giving them enough credit because right. they're not as dominant on that end, but they're so efficient on the offensive end. It's putting a ton of pressure. Like UConn played out of their mind in front of that crowd in that game to get back into this game and had a chance at the end. But, uh, you know, I, I think we all felt comfortable that is it, it, it seems sometimes easy for, for Xavier, you know, when they're playing some of these teams. And the first half of did tonight, if you didn't play zone, I know Sean will be driving himself crazy about zone offense, but that's a tough out. That team is going to be difficult no matter who they play. You you, you mentioned, you know, Dez Claude and uh, Jerome Hunter. And I, I just think those two guys have really found confidence in their roles, yep. you know. And, and I think a lot of times when a player hears the word role, they feel diminished. They, they feel like they're not as big of a part of what the team's doing. And that couldn't be further from the truth. I think that Jerome Hunter has really found a, a role to me that offensive rebound that that he got with just under eight minutes and, and stick back. I mean, like that was, that was huge momentum, you know, to, to recapture it, if you will. And then Des Claude, man, his freshman year is going like this. It, it, it's, he's going to be really good. But the good thing is like, he doesn't have to be great as a freshman. He can sort of watch really good players like Suli Boom. He can watch Colby Jones and know how to prepare, how to, how to compete. And, and at the same time, have a huge impact on the team and the game when he comes in. Yeah, well, listen, we're going to have to have a little bit of UConn therapy here for me in about five minutes. But before <laughs> we do, Sean Miller was not the only Miller brother that won a game tonight. Archie picked up a massive win over Dayton at home for Rhode Island today. And we were able to catch up with both of them. And we tried to surprise Sean. I think he was on to our games, however. So let's get into the interview with both of the Miller brothers now. Welcome and now let me yield of 68 after dark, the most talented Miller brother, the best looking Miller brother, and the guy that got the biggest win of the night out of the Miller clan, Archie Miller, Rhode Island head coach, picked up a big win over your uh, former school, Dayton, 75 to 70 tonight. I mean, big win, man. Congrats. How you feeling? I appreciate it, man. I'm proud of our team. You know, uh, it's been, it's been a, you know, up and down challenging year, but uh, our guys played really hard tonight. And uh, Dayton's a good team. You know, they, they obviously have had their, their share of injuries and whatnot. But 
our guys really bounced back, responded, thought we played really hard on defense. And, um, you know, for the most part, I thought our guards really made big plays, timely plays that we haven't really been, you know, making. You know, we've had a lot of leads this season where we just haven't been able to score the ball tonight. Pretty much answered every run that they had, and I thought our guards did a really good job making plays, making shots. Arch, you walk out, you know, how all the head coaches do, three minutes for the game, two minutes for the game. You're probably more like 30 seconds before the game, <laughs> and, and you see Dayton on the other side. You know, the uniform that, that you obviously knew so well. Like, then you get down 20 to 11, 22 yeah. to 11. How, how you feeling at that point and beforehand? You know, I think, like, like one of the things, Chris, as you know, like, anytime you had a great experience at a place, you really appreciate people, you know. And I don't know their players, and I've been gone long enough to know where I don't have any association with the players and whatnot. So it's not that awkward. I really respect Anthony and his staff and the job that they do so. You know, I obviously have, you know, affection for the place. You know, I always have, and I always will, probably a lot like you will at Xavier. You know what I mean? It just means a lot to you. Yeah. Ball goes up, everything changes, as you know. And you're trying like hell to win the game. And we got off to a slow start. I thought really surprised us a little bit by going zone to start the game and playing a lot of possessions in the zone. They're so big. I think, you know, at times it, it, you, we really struggled seeing over them and getting the ball to the right spots. But, you know, there's two sides of the ball, as you know. Defensively, we kind of just kept staying with it. Our post trap, I thought, was effective enough um, to give us some opportunities. And, you know, lo and behold, we got some confidence. Make ball went in a couple times, got some confidence. And I thought the second half, we were much more comfortable, you know, being able to attack them. I think we're being joined Where? here. By... Where is he? Feels, feels like he's in a limo. Where yeah. is he? Is he in one of those, like, uh, prom yeah. buses? Or whatever? There he is. Sean, do you know who that is? Can you do you recognize that voice? It's Arch. Yeah, it's Arch, man. You guys both yeah, have big voices. Yeah, no, I, I can see him. See him. I don't know if you guys can see me, but yeah, that's. They told me that he beat Dayton. That's that's amazing. That's great. Awesome. Yeah, he did. Well, I honestly I didn't really want to see you tonight because you guys picked up a win over my Huskies. But how, how's how's that's it feel? This gotta hurt, this gotta hurt you, Dalster. This gotta hurt yeah. you right now. <laughs> hey, doesn't feel great, Arch. Doesn't feel great. Right. I got to sit here. I got to suck it up. I got both the Miller brothers uh, on the show tonight. So, you know, hey, it this is, what is it the is. first time we've been on together since last NCAA tournament when we were going through all our picks and I got them all right and he got them all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, he is right about that. But um, after I carried him for about three months, there's one thing that he needed to do a little bit better than me. And he finally got it right, no doubt. I tell you, Rob, uh, you know, I, I really mean it. the Big East, you know, winning on the road and UConn, uh, they're they're good. I know that they've hit a little bit of a rut, but nothing would surprise me with their team. I, I feel like they could they could make a deep run. And I mean, they, they have all the talent to be able to win out. And, uh, but so I only say that because tonight was a great win for us. Let me ask you guys this. I know that um, we've talked about this before. I've talked to both of you about it individually. During the season, it's very different for you guys than it is in the off season. It is in your year off. You don't talk to each other as much. Is this when was the last time you guys actually spoke? I think we may have bumped, uh, maybe talked, maybe a day or so ago. But I, I'll be honest with you, our schedules. I don't think I talked to Sean for a couple of weeks, maybe two, three weeks. Um, you know, in the month of January, it's you're just on to the next one. You're kind of doing everything you possibly can to prepare your team, and you know, you get caught up in it. But like. Times the times don't really work either. You play at the same time, you play the same night. It's hard. 
And, and let me tell you something. Arch doesn't answer when he loses. <laughs> it's not worth he goes missing. Hey, so he I goes missing. Miss, That's so why when I, so, I always check. So he tonight, I knew he'd be on the phone. I've been missing a little bit more here recently. <laughs> Yeah. Miller Brothers back again. Uh, we're gonna have to get you guys together for another podcast at some point. Oh, yeah, we'll do it. Thanks, man. It's always good catching up with uh Sean and Archie Miller. I wish it was under better circumstances, which leads us to the conversation about UConn. We don't have to spend too long on this, Chris, but uh am I wrong to feel better about this team moving forward after that second half, despite the fact that they lost than I did heading into this game? Man, I think so. I, they lost to a really good team. You know, I, I, and I think UConn's struggled a little bit with confidence, it seems, the last two, three weeks. And, um, you know, Jordan Hawkins, Fanna and I have talked about it on a couple of the shows. You know, John's so hard on his ads, potential, potential, potential. Like, if he can be half of what he was in the second half <laughs> – Moving forward, I mean, he was coming off screens, Reggie Miller style. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he, he, he can really shoot. And if he keeps that type of confidence, um, there's no telling what he can do. I really like their zone. You know, with their two big, big, big guys, man, it's really hard to get extended in ball screens. You know, when you're playing a team that might have, you know, bigs that can handle the ball and shoot the ball and you're out on the floor and you, you have that size – it's a way to keep those guys inside and closer to the basket when you when you play zone. And I thought they didn't just sit back in the zone. They were really active. And they, they rattled Xavier a little bit. They still turned them over 15 times. I just thought they buried themselves in such a hole in the first half that they spent a lot of energy to get back into it, just couldn't quite finish it off. Mm -hmm. For the people that are joining us now that just watched, uh, just listened to Alabama knock off Mississippi State, this is the Field of 68 After Dark. My name is Rob Doster. I have with me Chris Mack and Randolph Childress. And Randolph, I'm going to you on this. Um, it feels like UConn kind of figured something out down the stretch. Part of it is using that that one three one and using that 2-3 zone and taking a little bit of advantage of the length def defensively. The other part of it is kind of inverting what they do offensively using caravan more on the perimeter and letting Andre Jackson, a guy that that big East defenses have kind of figured out, don't guard him, putting him in and around the paint and, and uh, it pulls an extra defender out of the lane. And it felt like that kind of opened some stuff up. Is that, is that something that's replicable moving forward? Or is that just kind of a matchup specific thing against this Xavier team that kind of worked? Uh, you know, as Chris said, it's hard to do that when you got multiple handles on another team. It, it works. You can work that kind. You can hedge hard and do those things when you got a primary guy that's kind of a guy you want to take the ball out of his hands and make it hard for him. Xavier is just a tough matchup for anybody with that. But with Jackson' inability to consistently knock down perimeter shots, you got to do something different like that. They're not going to guard you. So if you're going to sit, let, let, allow me to sit back off, it's going to struggle, and we're going to take away attempts from Sonogo. So. I, just great coaching. I mean, it, you know, it's just something adjustment that he made probably, you know, I know in hindsight, he's probably kicking himself. Uh, I thought two things that he's probably going to look at tonight and be like, man, I wish I had reacted to. And Chris, I get your point on that. One is making that decision. They did putting Jacks at the four. The other one was they had a ton of time at that last possession to take an easy two. And then they kind of just took it. They, they delayed the game, delayed the game, delayed the game until they had to take the three. He called and a timeout right before. Jordan. Yeah. And literally and Hawkins makes the shot. Right. And, yeah. and I think it was he, a two though. I think yeah, it was yeah, a no, two. No, he, he, no, no, he made it. He was, he took right. the two, but when he took that two, it was, it was 15, 20, it was enough time where you were going to have to foul 
you know, and that's just a coach's decision. This is one of those things, you know, you sit around and you talk in those huddles and it's like, all right, quick two, go for three. And, you know, and I always been the thing of you go for, you know, two on that because you string the game out. Keep, yeah, keep you, yeah give you enough chance because they may miss a free throw now when you only need it to and they everything not, changes. They, they, they may turn the ball over. They may turn it over. Bounds. Right. They may foul whatever you got to do. So there's a lot more options there. And I thought that last 25 seconds or so of that game is going to be something that Hurley's going to be, you know, kicking himself about, you know, about tonight. You know, I've seen games where Andre Jackson's knocked threes down. You know, right. I, I think that like, it can weigh on your mind, man. They played that that mental game of playing way off of them. It would have been, been interesting to see had he made the first two. I think Sean obviously really would have adjusted, and then the game may have been completely different. But there's ways to get him involved if he's still on the perimeter. You know, they can get him downhill. They can get some isolation stuff where they clear out a side and get him to the rim, maybe get his confidence early on. But he's too good of an athlete, too good of a player. And then there were a couple times where they fed the low post, Rob, and they dove him. And I, I thought that was very effective. I mean, he's he gets his feet planted under under him anywhere near the basket, man. You're going to get punched on. He's just mm -hmm. uh, that good of an athlete. He's one of the best ones in the country. So he may not be a great shooter, but, you know, not putting him in that position all the time doesn't necessarily have to be just a low post. Well, what I'm going to keep telling myself is that you want to go through your slump in January. Right. You want to figure it out yeah. in February and you want to get hot in March. So all you can do is doing it's just a slump still. It might be a three week, four week, month long, five week, <laughs> two month hey, long. When they, when they won the national championship with Kevin Ollie, you remember their record? Yeah. They were yeah. a nine seed when they won it with Kemba. They're there a nine go. seed in the Big East tournament. There you they go. played on the first day of the Big East tournament when they won it with Kemba. So you just got to get hot at the right time. That's what we do at UConn. We we lull you to sleep. And then we come <laughs> ain't back. No, ain't no Kemba walk in that backcourt, though. Ain't no Kemba walk in that backcourt. <laughs> I'm trying to be positive, man. Positive vibes only here on the field of 68. Listen, we're not going to have positive vibes in this next segment because I am going to tell you why Texas Tech has started 0-8 for the first time since Billy Clyde Gillespie was there. All right. We got any questions in the chat, Trevor? Anything for, good? First of all, two people have asked what Chris Mack's shirt is. They're curious what shirt he's wearing. Oh, what do we got? The Larry Legend. It's a nice shirt. They better know. That is a nice shirt. Look at that flow Larry had back in the day. Yeah, huh? yeah. Follow up. What else we got, Trevor? Jacob asks if you guys think Xavier is a legit national title contender. I'm a little worried about the defense just because there hasn't been a team that has won a title that has entered the tournament ranked outside the top 40 in defensive efficiency on Kempom. Um, but I think they're Coleman. a legit Final Four contender. Yeah, and I, I don't, I don't want to be a, a hater at all because they're, they're a terrific team and anybody can get hot and everything. But the one thing I do worry about besides maybe the defensive end is, is Suli Boom isn't a natural point guard. You know, he just he just isn't. And um, he's not in the game. He gets in foul trouble. Uh, I, I don't feel like they have a ton of ball handling. Desmond Claw is really good. He's a freshman. Uh, but at times when they've gotten pressured, 30 seconds. He's, he's a, look, a little out of sorts, but he's done a terrific job for a guy who hasn't played point guard his whole career. Mm -hmm. Is the Big East a four-way race? Ken Palm is a fraud, is wondering. Uh, if a four-way race means it's Marquette and Xavier right now, then yes. <laughs> 10 seconds. You don't like the Friars? Yeah, what about the Friars? The Friars, man. Stop it. I, I like them. I just like the other two more. Um, Here we go. They're right.
Welcome back, Field of 68 After Dark Live, Sirius XM Channel 84. Rob Dawson here. I got Chris Mack. I got Randolph Childress. Uh, if you are listening right now, you can always jump in to the YouTube chat. It's where we have uh, conversations during the breaks. We have the afters after our show uh, is over on Sirius. We hang out. We answer your questions. We talk with you guys. We chat with you guys. Uh, it's kind of what we do. We need to talk a little bit about Auburn here in a second. We're going to get into that because I, I, I want to know if you guys think they're frauds. I think Auburn are frauds this year. Uh, but before we do, we got to talk about Texas Tech because this team came into the season ranked in the preseason top 25. They came into the season in the conversation as one of the, the better teams in the Big 12. And now they're sitting here at 0-8 after losing by 15 at home to a West Virginia team that came in with just one win in the conference. Uh, I, I don't know what's gone wrong with this team, RC. I don't know if you have any opinion, but I, it kind of feels like this is one of the early examples of a team that's been victimized. Uh, I'm doing air quotes here, victimized by the, uh, by the NIL era. I, I think it's a little quick to say that. I, I think at times you just associate and have a level of expectation when you've been as consistent as that program has been over the last five or so years. So you just come into it, you know, you got, they achieved a level where you just thought it didn't matter. They were mm -hmm. just going to automatically be what they've been these last couple of years where you plug and play. And this year it just hadn't been the case. You know, when you lose one of your better players and he goes to a to a rival, you know, in your own conference, it's hard to replace that kind of stuff. And, I, I, you know, I wasn't as big on them early as everyone else was. I just thought the parts were a little different. They weren't as big and athletic on the wing as, as, as we are accustomed to seeing that team be. And they're struggling bad. I mean, today, tonight was a battle of the basement and that wasn't even competitive. So, I, you know, I don't know where a win comes from. Um because as you know, in that conference, it's just brutal. I mean, there, if you're there not going to no get West Virginia games. at home, uh, man, if you can't win at West Virginia at home, I mean, when, when, you know, when and who, I mean, that, that, that top half of that, I mean, top eight team is in that league of, is brutal. And, and I, I don't, I don't know. And that's the problem right there. You can't yeah. even say, you can't say top half, <laughs> you're like <laughs> top nine, you know, like it's, it's, it's not even fair, you know, like you're trying to all of a sudden recover by going at Texas, yes. you know, Kansas at yes. home. It's just, uh, you know, what's wrong with them? I'll tell you, they're playing the league. Teams, teams that got a little bit more talent than them. Um, what worries me is, you know, West Virginia getting 76 in their building. You know, Texas Tech that, that we're all used to, teams are scoring 45 in their building, you not, not go 76. There. It's really crazy that, that you see them in the, uh, in the Maui early on, and they, they look like world beaters, man. And um, whew, this, this league – the Big 12 can steal your confidence, and I, I don't know where they're going to get a win. They'll get one. You know, they have such a great home crowd, but, like, man, you start to lose that many in a row. Well, they're, they're starting to turn on them, man. Like, I, I, I see it in my mentions. I see it in the questions that we get in the chat. They're still going to turn out. You know, yeah. they're still going to turn out for the games. But You know, I'll, I want to ask you guys this, because it feels like – it feels like they went against kind of what their culture and their identity was when they brought players in. Right. When you think of Texas Tech last year, they had nine guys that were between like six, six and six, eight, who were all like 22 or 23 years old, who all had seven foot wingspans and they just switched everything and they made it impossible to score against them. They just had killers defensively and they played that no middle defense and there was nothing you could do against them. And now they're bringing in like pop up Isaacs is a, is a fine player but he's a freshman that's out there to, to shoot a bunch of jump shots. He's not a guy that's known for his defense. Now you got two bigs. You're rotating through Fardaws and Daniel Bacho. Those aren't guys that are going to be great in a uh, 
uh, switch everything, no middle style of play. And I just, it feels like they brought in a bunch of guys to try to put together a roster as opposed to like continuing to develop a team and an identity and a culture. All the buzzwords, Mac, those are all the buzzwords that people like me like to use, but it feels like they kind of went away from what they were. Yeah, it's hard, man. It's it's not the NBA where you can just pick players. They got to pick right. you too, right? You know, and and you know, you mentioned it before, and I, I don't know their business, you know, with NIL, but you know, Pop Isaacs, you know, he was a very highly recruited kid. But you know, you're right. Not only is he a freshman, but he's not necessarily the identity that you think of when you think of a Texas Tech uh, defensive player, at least. And so, um, you know, it, it's it's a little bit of shift from what we're all used to, for sure. Even a guy like Eliza Fisher getting in there is a, is a, you know, a highly recruited, highly touted guy. And it's just hard to win nowadays with freshmen. You can win with a lot of, you can win with young guys, but you better have a lot of experience around them. When you're counting on them for, you know, significant minutes, you know, multiple freshmen, significant minutes, they better be amongst the elite, and you know, in the, order for that to be. the elite freshmen, as you know, yes. some of those guys are going to, to the, the ignite and all the other stuff. Yes. So like, I'm not saying they're they're not elite, but even Duke, you know, Duke, for instance, has the best class in the country as a freshman. Those guys are struggling. Struggling. You know, I mean, like they're winning games, but not in the way that, that we're all used to. And I say struggling, you know, it's they're still gonna make the tournament. They're struggling that. for for Duke and who Duke is, but it's also right. worth noting, like they have the top two recruits in the class, but the reason those guys are the top two recruits is because Scoot Henderson and the Thompson Correct. twins are not playing college basketball. Because those guys and that's the way of life now, you know, for, mm -hmm. for, for college coaches as they recruit that level of player. All right, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about Auburn here because they lost uh, to Texas A&M tonight. Let me make sure I have the score right. It just went final. It was 79-63 to 63 at home in Auburn Arena, which is usually one of the tougher places to play in college basketball. They are now 16-4 and four on the season. They are 6-2 and two, uh, in the SEC. This was actually a game for sole possession of second place in the conference, uh, I'm sorry, for uh, for second place, Tennessee's in second place. They won tonight as well. Um, but Auburn, they're a weird team. They have a great record. They have great metrics. They're 23rd in the net. They're 19th in Kempom. But their best wins are Arkansas at home. They beat Northwestern on a neutral. They beat Florida. They beat Mississippi State. They haven't really beaten anyone that jumps out to you. So, RC, is, I'll, I'll say it so you guys don't have to say it. I think Auburn's the biggest fraud in the country in terms of where they are ranked and what their metrics are um compared to what i think they actually are as a team am i wrong is that crazy do i need to get thrown off the show am i pulling a good I, I, i'll say this i don't think they're a top 15 team in the country but you got to give them credit for they're beating who they're supposed to beat mm -hmm. right like they're beating who they're supposed to be have they do they have that signature win they don't but they're not losing to bad teams and they're, they're taking care of their business on you know tonight they didn't you know they lost to you know a&m who has had their struggles throughout the year as well. They picked it up in conference play, but that's what you got to say about them. I mean, this team lost two, two first round draft picks last year. That's hard to overcome. Mm -hmm. You know, they lost their front line. That's a, that's a hell of a lot of production that they lost. And so it, they're having a good year for where they're, what, where, what they've lost and where they are right now, but they're just, they're not losing to bad teams. Like you throw in four, four losses to bad teams and we're, we're not even having this conversation with them. So they're taking care of business, but I, I understand what you're saying. I don't think they're a top 15 team in the country. What you really wanted to say right there is they're having a good year for a team with Wendell Green as the uh, Stop starting it. point. Stop <laughs> it. That's, not, that's not what I said. I, I never I like use that. 
I'd never use that word that you use to describe him, Rob. I, I wouldn't say that, man. They're 16 and four. Yeah. You know, it's sort of Bruce's MO. You know, he, he usually doesn't schedule, you know, um, top five, top 10 teams, these neutral site matchups that everybody watches at the beginning of the year. Like, you don't usually see Auburn in those type of things for the most part. They'll play in a, an exempt event every once in a while. But for the most part, he's going to schedule good mid majors. He's not, he's going to stay away from the 300 net schools. And he's going to, you know, be 12 and one when he walks into his conference season. And, you know, they're still at the top of the standings in the SEC. You know, there's a long way to go. Uh, they don't have the talent that they did a year ago, but he's going to shorten the game. I mean, they're going to run. And then if they don't have anything, they're going to do in their little flex action and, and figure out how to get a shot, just like they do every year. And he's going to get his teams to play hard. And that's always a, a Bruce Pearl staple. So they may not be who they've been in the past, but I, I still think they're pretty good. I think they're a top 25, top 30 type team. Yeah, it's it's tough to go from having Jabari Smith and yeah. Walker Kessler to having yeah, two guys that aren't, yeah, that aren't Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler and having the same guards that we kind of had our doubts about last season. Let's real quick, big picture SEC. I think we can all agree Alabama is the best team in the conference, right? Um, then you got Tennessee, who may or may not have a go-to guy. Then you have Auburn, who has some of their own question marks. And you have Texas A&M, who we want to talk about. They haven't really done anything this year. They haven't really beaten anybody. They've beaten uh, Florida. They've beaten Missouri. They lost to Murray State. Shout out to Steve Prohm. And they lost to Wofford at home. Uh, I don't know if we can fully evaluate Arkansas at this point without knowing Nick Smith, uh, his status, and with Javon Brazil gone. So, RC, is Kentucky the, the next best team in this league? Like, where do you stand kind of on the – the power rankings of the if SEC they keep the lineup that we like that we we keep that lineup that you know that we've been raving about the last the last two weeks and and seems to be going with that and we talked about it before the parts didn't fit early the court was shrunk you had non shooters in there now they got shooters out there they got Reeves they got Wallace they got they got guys there now that are spacing the floor and they're playing them together and with Wallace at the point then you know they they got a chance I mean they now depending on Toppins play really well stretching the floor a little bit hitting shots on the perimeter. Um, that group, that lineup there, they can, they can do damage and they can, they can look up and find themselves right at the very top of the league. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what I saw last night, you know, to me was a completely different Kentucky yes. team than mm -hmm. I've seen the last three or four weeks. Right. You know, he, you know, it's just funny. Cause like Stackhouse's teams, you know, you, you can poke fun at, at Jerry and his annex at times getting technicals and, you know, blocking people on Twitter and all that stuff that he does, but his teams play hard and they play close. And if yes. you look at every game that Vanderbilt's played, especially at home, they're either winning that thing or it's a one possession game. And last night, man, Kentucky had him down 20. And when you got a guy like Oscar Schwebe in there and he's able to like clean up anything and everything around the basket, he's got like three and four. It looked like, you know, Gulliver's travels, man. The Lilliputian's hanging on. <laughs> this dude's so damn strong. He reminds me of like Shaq, obviously four inches shorter. But just getting beat up, and he comes around with the ball, and man, they they can be really good if they continue to play with the type of confidence and energy they did last night. Yep, I agree. I really, I really like what that team is right now. Um, I, I do want to ask you guys something because Cal came out pretty strongly in defense of Severe Wheeler in terms of like fans going at him on on social media, and we've heard uh, Frank Martin come out against. Uh, talk really strongly against UMass fans that have been harsh on his team. Um, Dan Hurley's talked about this a little bit. Is there, how much have you dealt with that, Chris, in terms of like players that have 
it, there's so much more access to these players now. How how hard is that for them to navigate, especially in a time when you know they got they have to have their socials in line on uh with nil stuff and, and being able to deliver to sponsors. You, you know, I, this may be a simple answer, but it's as hard on them as they want it to be. You know, if if you want to pick up your phone, which most teenagers do every five seconds. And it's going to bother you. You know, it's just like your buddies and I, when we grew up, man, if, if, if a prank phone call bothered you and it, it got you all rattled and you're screaming into the phone, it's like, then it's going to really mess with you. and It's going to affect your game and affect your confidence. But like, you know, the, the, I think the, the wise just sort of like, let it roll off their back. Know that a lot of these guys have never played. They don't really have much of an opinion. They only care about their team winning. Um, I mean, it's a sad state, man, but it's just, it's, it's reality. And I don't think banning phones uh, or banning social media is necessarily the way to go. But, you know, we would talk to our guys in the sense of like, hey, listen, if, it, if it's going to bother you, and you, you know, you're going to get called everything from soft to like, you know, he stinks, he shouldn't be on the floor, then you got to put it away. And I know it's easier said than done, but I don't know any other way that if, if you can't put it down, then you're going to have to deal with it. Yeah, you got to be able to compartmentalize. One guy that has compartmentalized well this year has been Chris Collins. He entered the season on the hot seat. I'm going to tell you next why he may have coached his way off of it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, that was a better tease. How about that one, huh, Trevor? Excellent tease. I'm getting better at this. Oh, we lost Mac. Uh, he's probably going to get another Miller Lite. Trevor, <laughs> we got any questions in the chat? I'm going to segue you right into your hot seat talk. Adam wants to know if you guys think Anthony Grant's seat is hot at Dayton. Absolutely hell no. not. Hell no. Not not. Hell no. Absolutely not. For, for I mean, one, he's an alum. Two, he's been through more this year than any father should have to deal with. And three, he doesn't have his point guard. He hasn't had his point guard all season. I think Malachi Smith has played like what nine games or something like that. No, he's on the opposite of the hot seat. Trevor's on a hotter seat than uh, one minute Grant right now. Wow, wow. All right, uh, Kevin wants your guys' thoughts on Pitt. They, they got, got a chance tips. if this, if the tournament started right now, they'd be in it. Toughness is win tonight. They got some toughness, man. I like them. Yeah, yeah. we're going to get into that a little bit here in this next segment. Uh, we're going to talk about. Uh, there's five coaches by my count that entered the season on Jeff Goodman's hot list, hot seat list. I don't do hot seat lists, but entered on Jeff Goodman's hot seat list that have kind of played their way 30 into the tournament. So we got anything else, Trevor? 
What's Providence's ceiling now that Bynum is healthy? Big East champs. Very high. That's their ceiling. Very high. They know how to win. They got two guards. Bryce Hopkins is a motherfucker. Motherfucker. <laughs> like, yeah. That dude. He committed Ten to seconds. Him. Oh, I know. Then he decommitted to me. Yeah, I'm just twisting the knife. It's the uh, it's my Xavier revenge right there. There we go. <laughs> Three, two, one. Welcome back. Field of 68 After Dark. We're live streaming on YouTube, streaming on Twitter. If you guys listening on SiriusXM right now want to jump in the YouTube chat, ask us questions during breaks, want to jump in the afters, that's going to happen after uh, the final, the, the show goes to an end. You can do that. It is on the Field of 68 YouTube channel. Rob Dosser here, Chris Mack, Randolph Childress. Guys, believe it or not, it is the year 2023. It is the end of January. We are in the heart of conference season in college basketball, and we are going to talk about Northwestern. RC, can this team actually make the NCAA tournament? Are, are we really looking at a situation where the Wildcats can lose Pete Nance to a blue blood and lose Ryan Young to a blue blood and then turn around and make the big dance? Because I'm not going to lie. I think they got a chance right now on the fielding, the 68 mock bracket. They are currently an 11 seed in the big dance. That was before they went at Nebraska. tonight. Yeah. I mean, it's a long way to go, but. They lost a lot on their front court, but their back court is where the strength of this team is right now. I mean, Boo-boo. with Barry, with Boo Booey, and all these, those guys are carrying this team. They played well, and they played well today, and that's the strength of this team. And when you got good guard play, particularly when you got three guards that are that are, that are playing well, you got a chance, and and that's what they have. And they're well coached, and they're playing with a level of desperation, man. Credit to those guys. I mean, credit to Chris and the staff. They're doing a hell of a job. They're responding to all the adversity, all the, you know, you hear the noise in the background. A lot of those guys, they stuck around. They stayed there. They could have hit the portal. They didn't. They're just being rewarded for just, you know, for one, being good players and then just ticking it out at a place that, that you know, hadn't had a lot of success lately. Yeah, hard job, man. Yes. Hard job. And what Chris and his staff have done, you know, and their players, especially losing almost their entire front court, um, amazing. Now, it's the Big Ten. And it only gets, you know, more Doesn't get easy. talked about January. It's going to get more brutal in February. But they put themselves in a position to, to be talked about and have an opportunity to go to the dance. And so I think that's – that's you'd ask Chris probably before the year, you're taking that and run. Yeah. It, I mean, it's going to get tough, and they still have to kind of stack up these wins. But that win at Indiana, Huge. it's only going to look better as things move forward. That win at Michigan State, it's only going to look better as we move forward. They beat and they're taking home. care of home court advantage, too. They're winning at home. They're winning at home. That used to be a place that the teams would come in there kind of expecting and knowing that they can get a win. That's not the case this year. They're taking care of business at home, and they've snuck a couple on the road. They got fans. It gets, yeah. It's kind of loud in there, and it's not the other team that's making all the noise. Yeah. yeah. Right? When, when it'll do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. Um, so it, he, Chris is an interesting story to me because he was kind of like the golden boy, right? He was the next best thing. The next best guy at Duke, like the every Duke that's guy that. is the golden boy. Every <laughs> every Duke sounds, guy, sounds like a every one of them to come Wake out, Chris is the next right golden there. one. <laughs> at, you you spent that you spent an entire weekend in New Orleans defending Duke, and now you're coming here Stop. coming here with the hate RC. Is that what I just doing? had to keep it. You guys were surrounding me with Carolina guys, and I just had to be objective. <laughs> that's all. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, like. After he he made it to the tournament, right? Everyone was like, Chris right. Collins is the guy. He snapped the streak. And then things kind of went bad for him. And it's not that often, Chris, that like 
a coach can kind of have things turn the wrong way and you can turn it back around. Like that's, that's not an easy thing to do. Once things start going a certain direction to be Especially, able to kind of get again, it going I, the right way. I don't want to rag on Northwestern because as an institution, mm -hmm. one of the best in the world, but basketball wise, like RC said, not a lot of tradition, man. Not a lot of kids are growing up wanting to be a wildcat. And so, you know, he, he obviously put them in a position they'd never been in, in the NCAA tournament. Uh, but I, I just don't think that necessarily sustains success at a place like Northwestern because kids aren't signing up to go there. You know, it's just not who you watch on ESPN or Fox every night. So uh, for him to be able to sort of bounce back, especially after losing those two kids, you know, I, I think mm -hmm. just a, uh, an incredible run so far. And I hope it continues for him because he deserves it, man. He, he he's a He's a lifer. It's the hardest thing I think for people to realize is I often say you're as good as your administration allows you to be. And some of these high academic institutions are not changing who they are and what they are. And when you're doing that, it, it it's, it's just hard. I said that about Mike Bray. I, I haven't spoken to him. I did, but I, I, I think some of it is, is hard because of a certain way you got to do things at Notre Dame. I was blown away with that. I think it's just that time he's hell, hell of a job had a hell of a run, but I think the way times are changing, some of these, administration leaders and presidents and ADs, they're still running things a certain style. Like, like we talked about with Stanford, no transfers, right? Like you can't get trained like certain things like that. If you don't adapt, you're holding your coach hostage. It doesn't matter who the coach is. It doesn't matter how good you are. Nobody is that damn good that you can live in today's times and not be able, you feel like you got, a, you got your arms tied behind your back when you're in, you're in situations like that. And, and you know what? I was talking to my former director of ops today and, and I won't share the school, but, but he talked about, and it was one of those, you know, a Northwestern type of schools and, and just talked about, I asked him, do they take transfers just out of curiosity? And uh, he said they do, but the problem is like the one kid that, that he knew that transferred there, he lost almost a year's worth of credits because they yeah, didn't accept it. And I said, did he have seeds? He said, no, they just didn't take those courses. And so it's, it's just, they may have the rule in place that they can accept transfers, but like they got to ring every single criteria and, and that's not easy. And kids, you know, a lot of times when they're transferring, RC will tell you, man, you, you I got to get you in one more class this second summer session. Well, well, oh, with, with Chris, the issue to which your point is, and again, wake has changed, but wake was that way. And I speak on that. It, it was a school where you could trans, you could spend three years in college and transfer in and then, when they finish with your transcript, you're a sophomore and you're like, you're like, wait a minute. I got one year to play and need right. two years to graduate. Yep. You know what? Like, uh, see y'all, I gotta go somewhere else. Like I ain't going to the way those two years of class are going to be hardest class. <laughs> right. 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 So you're going to finish up your year. You're going to pay for me to come back. I mean, it's a lot of those conversations where it's like, come here and play this one year. And then yeah, you got to find out 80 grand on your own. Everything across the country is not even. No, I, mean, I know fans want it to be, but it, it's, it's not even close. No, not even close. That, that's the fascinating part about Northwestern's story to me is because they yes. lost transfers in the yes. offseason, right? The other four guys that we mentioned, Brad Brunell brought in Brevin Galloway from, I believe it was BC, right? Yep. Capel brought in a bunch of guys from transfers. Bobby Hurley brought in the Cambridge Twins and the uh, the kid from Michigan. I'm blanking on his name in the moment. Um, Kevin Keats brought in Jarkel Joyner, TJ Burns, a couple Burns. other guys. Like, Collins lost yeah, he lost his two best players. He yeah. lost Pete Nance. Yeah. It, it's it's crazy what he's been able to do with that. Yeah. Let, let me ask you guys this real quick because we got about a minute before we got to get to break. You both have been in situations on staffs where you've kind of felt that pressure. Like what what is it in that moment, RC? What is it when you're kind of 
dealing with that and you know you have the jeff goodmans of the world tweeting and posting their nonsense like uh, how, how does that affect a coaching staff because i mean what people don't realize is when you go through that like it's not just the head coach it's the dobo it's the assistants it's the gas it's everybody that kind of sacrificed their lives to go to this guy that they believed in you're 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 affecting a lot of people and a lot of families. Uh, Chris hadn't had much, had to deal with much of that because he was too busy winning. So we don't have to worry about. It. I don't, I don't know if Chris can answer that. All that. That's why I'm on field. All, all, all the ass right kickers he gave me over Xavier and, and Louisville. No, I, I, he can ask this, answer this as well. I think for him, he feels a lot. Her head coaches, it's a lot worse because you feel so much responsibility for everyone. Right. I, I think is really worse for head coaches in that aspect. So when you hear people, you're okay with criticism when it's fair. You you hope there's a people enough educated enough to speak on what's really going on. Like we are with Chris saying how difficult that job is. You want some context to it. We all know if you're not winning, we ultimately get it. But you just want the context of at least that part saying it. Then some dumbass just blurbing out because and, and no having no understanding about what going goes on. But I mean, you know, you, even when you're winning, man, you, you feel pressure all the time, you know, pressure to, to get that next recruit. You know, it could be down to one or two schools. You, you feel pressure on like, man, we only have 36 hours until this next big game. You, you always feel pressure, I think, in this profession. Um, the hard part is when you really feel like it, it could start affecting your team. You know, that that's when. That, that's when I think that, like, I, I don't want our players walking into practice, you know, thinking, like, th th they've got to win, you know, for the coaching staff or, you know, they're not getting it done for us. Um, and then, obviously, you feel for, for your own individual family, kids that are going to school, um, you know, assistant coaches and their, their kids. Th those are things that, that are constantly on your mind during that time. Um, and fortunately I haven't had to deal with it a whole lot, but obviously it was ramped up about a year ago this time. <laughs> you talk about the players on that, you know, Rob, you asked about players. It's tougher on our wives and family yeah. when you're in those situations, like they catch, they catch hell. And, and it's just the basic stuff. It's going to the store or just the basic things. And, and that's where it gets, it gets, the fans can get a little obnoxious and it gets a little tough. Yeah. Well, listen, I think, I think you got to let that stuff go, though, you know, yeah. like, yeah, yeah. No and, I, and I love Frank, but, you know, I, I don't think there's any good that's necessarily going to come out of him, like sort of, you know, going even if the guy's completely out of line, which I'm sure he is. It's just sort of hard to you're never going to win that battle. You know, you're just going to egg on some more people to, you know, act a little bit maniacal. But, you know, to each his own. I'm not going to no. act like I have all the answers to it. People are always going to be dumb on the internet. That's the one thing that I've learned. And speaking of being dumb on the internet, when we come back from break, I'm going to tell you why there's a legitimate conversation that we need to have about whether or not Shaq Eady is actually the Big Ten Player of the Year as of today. I got a spicy take coming up, man. You guys don't ready you, for don't this? Don't you do it. Don't Buckle you do up. it. Don't Buckle you up. Put do your seatbelts on. I got a spicy take. I got no. a spicy take for you guys. Trevor, we got any questions in the chat? I'll lead you into your spicy take with this question from the chat. Is there any team that's more reliant on one player than Indiana is with Trace Jackson Davis? I see you bring up Trace. No. D damn good one to rely on. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> I would too. Yeah, he's he's uh, yeah he's uh, awesome. maybe Jalen Wilson. <laughs> uh, that's a great call, actually. I mean, like I know he's got some guys around him. Grady Dick's a freshman, but like 
least the last couple games oh. I've watched, dude's got to get like 50 to keep the you know team in the game. Boy, they and they got some shit going on there, boy. Woof. Who do they play next? Kentucky. Kentucky. In rough, right? Hey, Kentucky, Kentucky, Iowa State, Texas, and Kansas State. Kansas State, Chris, is their next four games. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's the next four games. Kentucky, Iowa State, Kansas State, and Texas. Third. Alex wants to know if you guys think Iowa State is going to take a home loss this season. <laughs> I'm never betting Iowa State to lose at home. They're probably going to lose some. Iowa State to lose at home. Not with people as crazy. If Kansas can lose, if Kansas can lose at home, then Iowa State can lose at home. It could, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet on it. But yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm not placing any money on it for sure. <laughs> RC, I don't know if you know how to place money Two. on it. I don't. I don't. I had to get you. I do it for me. <laughs> Welcome back, Field of Sixty Eight, After Dark, Sirius XM, Channel Eighty Four. We are streaming live on YouTube. We are going to be done here in about eight minutes on Sirius. If you want to jump over to the YouTube channel, you can jump in the chat. We'll be doing the afters. I'll be finishing my beverage. We'll be answering your questions. Rob Doster, Chris Mack, Randolph Childress. Guys, I teased it before we left, but I think that I actually have a point here. You need to talk me out of this if you think I'm crazy. As of today, Trace Jackson Davis has a very legitimate case to be the Big Ten Player of the Year. Even if Shaq Eady is the National Player of the Year, Trace Jackson Davis, over the course of the last seven games, is averaging 25 points, 15 rebounds, four and a half assists, four and a half blocks, and he single-handedly pretty much carried Indiana to currently a 14-6 and six record, a 5-4 and four record in the Big Ten. And it looks like this is going to be a team that we're going to have to talk about all season long. Things were Things went bad for a while, but... They're back, Chris. They're back. Am I crazy? Am I losing my mind? I don't think you're crazy at all. I think when you start anointing guys as players of the year, you know, in, in mid-January, you're doing a disservice to guys like Trace. You know, I think that if you put Trace Jackson Davis on Purdue's team, I don't see their record changing. Uh, obviously, Purdue at this point's a, a way better team. Usually, that award goes to the best player on the best team. But, I mean, he's phenomenal. You know, he, he, is, he is terrific. Zach Eady is just is 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 so different it's just he's just different man he's humongous and he demands you know and commands such a uh, such attention around the basket and still you can't mess with him but like i i just don't think it's a one horse race like everybody has, has been talking about for so long and I, I think you sort of have to watch the next month season and see how it plays out before you sort of crown a big 10 player of the year in my opinion it's over it's over. Stop it. Come I on. know that's that sounds politically correct. Come on. To say Shaq the ED. No, it it hey Trace Jackson is 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 I mean is having a hell of a year. We knew it. I think the biggest thing, honestly, we we're joking about it, but we didn't see this type of year coming from Zach Eady. We didn't see this type, and it's just a surprising you and it's consistent and it's dominant. The team is dominant. They're playing so well, but Trace Jackson Davis has just been playing. He he's right there you know he I, literally is right there i just like seeing how much tougher trace is this year than any year in his yes. career that that's he's answered like, the bell yeah he's answered the bell he's answered the bell and, and like I, i'm just i'm excited for him he's a great kid got to know he's him a little bit out pain of high too like he's not healthy he's yeah. not healthy he could sit out and protect his draft stock and he's yeah. not doing it yeah I, I mean like to me it's just 
a lot of respect for, you know, what he's stepped into in terms of the type of player he's become in his senior year. I got to shout out JB in the YouTube chat right now. He said uh, Zach Eady's player of the year and Trace Jackson Davis is player of the two and a half weeks, which is, (laughs) which is is pretty funny. I I do think I I do. This is going to be crazy and it's going to sound kind of, uh, kind of anti-logical. But I think you can say Zach Eady right now is the national player of the year. And then there's a conversation between Zach and Trace Jackson Davis for big 10 player of the year because the Big Ten Player of the Year should only account for Big Ten teams. National Player of the Year should account for everything. Um, but, yeah, I still think Zach Zach's probably the favorite at this point. They're just so dominant, man. Uh, Mac, let me ask you this. You watched you, – you've recruited some of these guys, right? I'm sure you've seen Fletcher Lawyer play. Not not well enough. But not well ahead. enough. But I, did, <laughs> did, you, did you see those freshman guards for Purdue kind of have this kind of – like, did you are you surprised? I didn't seeing know Smith. what they've been able to do. You know, I'm not gonna act like I, I, I mean, I knew of him, but we didn't recruit him. Fletcher, we did. You know, I've known uh, his dad, John, for a long, long time. Used to be an assistant at the University of Cincinnati under Hugs and then was, in, you know, with the Trailblazers. So, we've known the lawyer family for a while. But, you know, Rob, that, that was during COVID, man. We, we couldn't mm-hmm. go see these kids physically. So, you're watching it on film and, um, you know, it's just, it's just a weird take because his family moved from Michigan to Indiana you know, in the middle of his high school career. Um, felt like he was obviously bigger than his, than his older brother, had the size. Certainly, I knew he was going to be able to shoot the ball. But to have two freshmen step in, um, obviously their jobs are made easier because of the, the type of player that Zach is and the double teams that he commands. But, like, still got to get the ball to him. You still got to handle pressure. You still have to defend at the other end. Um, and obviously, Matt is one of the best coaches in the entire country, and the stuff that he runs um, is second to none. But I can't say that I saw those guys stepping in and and being as good as they are as freshmen. How much did that? You, you mentioned the COVID year with recruiting. How, how how like hard was that getting guys in that maybe you didn't have a chance to um, to see as much? To maybe that you didn't have a chance to get to know as like because that's guessing. More- you yeah. was guessing. Thank you, you guessing. You, you you every anyone and no one knew everybody flipped the coin i remember watching we talked about mike bray earlier today and blake wesley went there as a freshman and he flat out said the only reason i I kept this kid is because he never got on the circuit nobody could see him and he was from down the street he's like if that kid got out in the in the country and everybody got a chance to see him he was like i'm not getting this kid he said when you walked in the gym and watched him you like oh he's different this ain't the type of kid we get but since it happened, it is like, all right, I got him down the street. You're watching film and you're just like, it's like all, you know, Chris, we get this all the time. Guys sending you tapes and edit tapes and right. you're like, man, I can't pull the trigger on. Everybody looks good in damn videotapes. Right, right. So Blake Wesley is interesting. You know, you bring up Blake and obviously he went to the league after his freshman year. So we played at South Bend. You know, we, we go to Notre Dame. We win the game. But the night before, um, myself and the assistant coach, we went and watched Blake. He's right there in South Bend. Yep. So gets in foul trouble, has like 11 points, has nice dunk, doesn't really do much else. And I say, I, I say to Coach Murray, I say, hey, I got to watch him after the season. Like, I, I, can't, I can't make a decision based on that. I mean, it was like the kid played 17 minutes in the high school game, had 11 points, didn't really stand out much. Then COVID hits. I can't see him. You know, like he's trying to – He's trying to FaceTime videos, you know, FaceTime like me while he's working out. Like, 
you got to make a decision on that. So you can see I made a good decision. I told coach he's not good enough. And then first pick in the NBA draft or first round, I should say. So, man, it, it was a crapshoot. You, you, you had no ability to go see kids in the spring, the summer. They couldn't visit you. You couldn't get to know personalities. Uh, so it, it was it was weird, to say the least. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's never easy when you're in that situation because so much of the evaluation, it's not just uh, how how good they are, it's how well they fit, right? And it's about learning if that personality would, we're going to throw the culture term out there. I'm going to I'm going to throw all that the the, the cliches out there. It's about figuring out uh, if all of those guys can work together with your team, with your culture, with the guys you have on campus to see if they even get along. You know, that's the importance of the visits. I think we're seeing some of that with the transfer portal uh, now as it is. But listen, this has been the field of 68 after dark. We appreciate you guys hanging out with us tonight. If you're still up, if you still want to hang out, come to the YouTube channel field of 68. We'll be in the afters. We'll be answering questions from the chat. So subscribe, like, and we will see you guys again tomorrow. All right, Trevor, it's the afters. Cue the intro. <laughs> All right, I have the first question. Let's do it. How can Zach Eady be the player in the, of the year in the entire country but not be the player of his own conference? I don't understand uh, your logic. Because there's a, the, there's a Big Ten team located in the Bahamas. That's that's why. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's – because I, the conference awards a lot of times are based off of just the league games versus like non-conference stuff getting included in it as well. So if, if Trace Jackson Davis finishes Big Ten play averaging 25, 15, 5, and 5, like he's going to be the Big Ten player of the year. No, he won't. Stop that. If he's averaging – right now he's averaging 25, 15, 4, and a half. Of the last and, what's, and, and what's Zach numbers? And they're going to finish probably top five in the country. They're, they're, nobody's gonna do that. Nobody, and and we don't, don't know what it'll be. Indiana's five and four. If they finish on a hell of a run and they finish maybe two games back, it's a shot. Yeah, but what I'm they saying, can't finish they, that. He averages. Yes. 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 But if he averages 25, 15, five and five, five assists and five blocks, they can better finish five, in the top three. Wow, if they five come in five. seventh, it won't matter. Won't happen. Yeah. It's no, got to be I top agree. three. I don't think that they're going to come in seventh if, if uh, yeah. Jackson Davis continues doing what he's been doing, man. It's been all. All I'm trying to say is he's been absolutely insane. No man, doubt. Stand on it, man. Stand yeah. on it. I'm, yeah. 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 Over the last seven days, look. I'm. You know what? I'm going to die on this hill. If Trace tra Jackson Davis Get averages him, Chris. 25, 15, <laughs> 5 and five over the course of the rest of the season, he will be the Big Ten Player. I like of the year. it, man. Tell him how you. Come feel. on, man. You don't back there. We don't back there. Do, do I need to go hotter? Game, He'll be the Come number on, one man. pick in the draft, Matt. He'll be hey. the number one pick in the draft. He's going lottery. He going. <laughs> Hey, he's making my YouTube headlines easy tonight, so I'm not complaining. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> what else we got, Trevor? Not counting your favorite team or your alma mater, who are your guys' favorite? Who has been your your guys' favorite player to watch this season? Um, my two favorite teams to watch this year have been Marquette and Xavier. I just I love watching them. Play. They play fast. They play great offense. They shoot a ton of threes. Uh, favorite players tough. Man, I've Maybe really Brandon enjoyed, Miller. I've really, I've really enjoyed watching Jalen Wilson. Man, he just uh, yeah, he's a tough dude. He he, he can score it. Um, I, I really like him. I've enjoyed watching Brandon Miller play. I, yeah. I I know he was good. I didn't know he was that damn good. Boys, uh, yeah, well beyond his years. Uh, I, so and they're fun to watch as well as we know they're they're good. But I.
it's fun watching him him watching Brandon Miller play. You know what? Yeah. It's crazy as it sounds, and I we're, we're going back to the argument. I, I really enjoy watching Zach Eady. Yeah. He's, he's so damn big, man. It's 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 incredible to see this dude like, you know, on TV versus guys that look just so small against him, man. Like he's I tell I say this. He grabbed rebound, Chris, and it looks like when your kids are little and they're down here grabbing stuff, you're just taking it and put it up in the air, and they're just down here trying to grab it, that, like tickling. That, that's what it looks like. RC, what kind of pro do you think he'll be? I think he'll struggle because he's going to – what are you going to use him? You know, that's so much isolation ball there. You can't just sit back and put him in drops. And athletically, I think he's limited quickness-wise. So I, I don't know. If you play in that style of system and got a big, but nobody plays that way. It's like everybody to me is trying to mimic like Golden State or they're still trying to get that small ball stretch five. Like you can't you can't play drop coverage against the you know New Jersey Nets. You, you know, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> can't you get to the playoffs, man. You you ain't playing drop coverage with KD and, and Kyrie coming it, off screens. It, it, and, and can you imagine him guarding like Embiid or something? Like, <laughs> like, like shit. That, that's the thing, man. It's like no disrespect to like those old bigs, Elajuan, Ewing, and Elajuan would have been fine, but like yeah. those guys never had to play like that type of like pick and roll game where a guy came off the screen and just like like, like ain't no drop coverage or you're no. hedging and getting back. Like, no, nah, you ain't no. No. Credit what I me. said, what I said, Mac, and and RC kinda I think you disagreed with this. I said that if he's gonna make the league, he's gotta be Boban, where he basically like it's a matchup by the yeah. He'll make the league. Well, I mean, if he's gonna make it, like if he's gotcha. gonna laugh, like his yeah. role is as Boban. Even then, like that dude is elite when it comes to just like making little ten foot hook shots. Like he is elite offensively. Whereas Edie at this point, I feel like is more just kind of like big right. as opposed to like being super super skilled. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Argument would be who might be the better pro when we were talking with those other bigs. You, you think Trace Jackson Davis moves a little bit better when healthy and maybe a little bit more mobile. I, I think he's going to go some, somebody's going to be selective in having to deal with a dominant big. So if you're like, hey, I need a big body to deal with like a Joel or somebody like that, you know, like an East Coast team thinking, you know, that right. that might be his fit. He's going to need a fit against a dominant player. Yeah. Yeah. What else we got, Trevor? David wants you guys to each pick a mid-major team that can make the second weekend. Oof. Can we say in Charleston? Like, are those the, are those those the, the easy picks? Ones? Yeah, those yeah. are the easy uh, picks. Are those the obvious ones? I think it's so hard because that team's got to win their conference tournament. You know, like, yeah. you could pick yeah. a team. They might not even make the tournament. Yeah. But, like, you know, I would have said Kent State until they lost to Northern Illinois last night. You know they they they've had they're good. I mean they're really good, man. They combined three losses, you know, to Gonzaga, Houston. I, I can't remember the last one. It's like by like ten points, you know. So he Rob's got a talented backcourt, um, but you know, conference tournaments a crapshoot. You got to win three games in three days or four games in four days, depending on you know what what the bracket looks like. Sometimes those teams aren't fortunate enough to make it out, even though they're the best team in their league. Starting to play well, I I think now and I like now is VCU. Yeah, starting VCU, to figure it out. I I would uh, I would not call VCU a mid major. I am con contractually obligated oh. to not call any teams in the Atlantic Ten uh -oh. mid majors. RC, okay. but they 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 force turnovers. Man, they're good. They're tough. 
mid high major. Yeah, yeah, they're high major. They're high mid major. High high major. High mid. Are we allowed to say St. Mary's is a mid major? Do they count for this conversation? I don't think they care. But they're like, no. Do they count for this conversation? I need I need Trevor. Sure. Sure. Yeah. How about how about St. Mary's? No one is talking about that. Trevor, that sounded really official. Yeah, no, I, sure. Whatever you guys want. <laughs> like, whatever. Speaking of the Atlantic 10, can we just quickly dive into the uh Uber Eats courtside incident? <laughs> that was so funny. Someone did ask what your guys' go-to courtside Uber Eats order would be. <laughs> Mm. The only thing I ever order from Uber Eats is there's a there's a little like taco stand about 10 minutes away from me called Ma and Pa's that has like the most amazing birria tacos. Have you ever had birria tacos? It's like mm. the shredded beef where you dip it in like the the sauce. I think hopefully the chat knows what I'm talking about. That's that it's that's the only thing I ever get. That's my lunch order. The place is only open like 11 until 4 for lunch. That's it. And that's why I just get the Uber Eats from there. So that's my go-to Uber Eats order, no matter what. I was what. out of coaching, man. And we we lived on, well, I don't know if this is, if I can say this, but it was DoorDash. You know, like, I don't know if you're sponsored by Uber Eats here, Rob, but. Um, you got to try now at this yeah, point, right? Yeah. I mean, I got, a, I got a $200 gift card to Uber Eats on my coffee table in the other room. I don't know where I got it from. I haven't even signed up for Uber Eats. So <laughs> obviously, if they can deliver it courtside. You know, at a, at a college basketball. That was your payment game. for last episode, Mac. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it, but like, hey. if, they, if they're going to deliver at a college basketball game courtside, I got to like look these guys up. Hey, I got to switch. I'm with you. If they deliver in courtside, <laughs> man, I'm I, I'm still trying to figure out what it what they ordered it from the console up on the second level or where, where the hell he came from. But they're delivering. I got to make a change. So I, I need the chat to weigh in on this because we we had this argument off air. Um, I think that the the guy was supposed to be bringing the food to the ref. Like the ref ordered Uber Eats for after the game, right? And he was expecting to get it after the game, and the guy showed up during the game. And these guys think I'm crazy. No way. I'm saying there's a there's a fan that's courtside that like <laughs> the Uber Eats guy doesn't know what sports are. You know, he he probably thought like there was dance team practice or something out in the court, so he was walking to like seat 15. And the ref was like, what the hell are you doing on the court? Get off, you know? And so that's why the referee was motioning to Uber Eats guy. I think it was two guys. Somebody had a bet. And he was like, I'm going to get in that seat right there at half court. And he just made the whole thing up, grabbed the food, and walked <laughs> down there. And then when he thought they were going to stop him, I was like, no, I'm, I'm de delivering this food. <laughs> <laughs> and he walked up and sat and watched the rest of the game at half court. Probably right on that one. Here, do you think he had to buy a ticket to get in? Like, you know how if you order Uber Eats and they have to go through a toll or you get an Uber, you have to go through a toll, you got to pay for it? No, do you think part of the Uber so. Eats was you have to pay for the ticket? No, it's like those YouTube pranks where guys with, like, ladders walk in the uh, movie theater <laughs> like they're doing work, and then they put the ladder down and they watch the movie. That's what this dude, like, went up to the security guard and the ticket takers like, dude, I don't want to watch a basketball game. I'm here to deliver my Chipotle down to, like, courtside. He's what in. if it was? Did you ever see that fake Clay Thompson guy? Remember that guy? Yeah, yeah. Do you think it was him and he was just dressed up as an Uber? He just really had to go see Duquesne play the South. Hey, <laughs> we need to find out if he's that creative. We got to get him on the show, man. We got to get him. We got to find out who this guy is. He's that guy, uh, he's a big Kansas fan. The fake Clay Thompson. 
He's a big Kansas fan. Is he Maybe really? he I'm talking show. about the guy, the Uber Eats guy. We need to get him on the show. No, seriously. Dagan and I will do our best production work to try and. Goodman is supposed to know everybody in college basketball, right? How has he not sourced this yet? The Uber Eats guy is clueless. He has no idea. All right, this one's from Matthew, based on tonight's game. Who's more likely to make the tournament if you had to pick one between Maryland and Wisconsin? I like the direction Maryland's going in. Uh, I, I would say Maryland because I think Wisconsin was, I think Wisconsin's in trouble. And, and I say that because sometimes you're at the mercy of your schedule. And we know the Big Ten's brutal. You know, they've struggled on the road. They've lost four of their last five games on the road. I mean, five of their last, yeah, five of their last six or whatever on the road. And their home games and conferences, Northwestern, Michigan, Rutgers, and Purdue. And then the rest of the games, you know, you, whoever else on the road. But that's their, and Iowa, I think, is at home. Like, those are their home games. And that that's a bitch of a home game schedule to be playing mm-hmm. for a team that's struggling on the road. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, Greg's got a system. You know, obviously, I love Kevin. He's just trying to establish, you know, who he is and what they're doing. Um, I think both of them are in a position to get a shot. This, I mean, February is huge for both of them. Ooh. But, you know, Wisconsin is, to me, used to sort of being in that position. Um, I, if I had to put money down, I would put Wisconsin. Knowing how sometimes when I put money down on bets, it goes to the other team, I would probably say Maryland will get it, even though I'm saying Wisconsin. Yeah, they – so I'm just a little worried about, like, who Maryland's beaten so far. They're kind of relying on, like, Miami needs to pick it up because that, that'll be a good win for them. They need Illinois to not fall back off. And after that, it's like Ohio State has good metrics, but are they going to stay relevant enough? And then Michigan was – like, it's not like they have a ton of great wins at this point. So uh, – but I like the direction that Maryland is trending a little bit more because, I mean, they beat uh, Michigan, they beat Wisconsin, and they almost beat Purdue – at Purdue. By the way, did you see Willard, Willard's rant about Along Came Polly last night? Did you see that? Our... Yeah. He basically man. said, have you seen that scene where oh, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman? Yeah, like, raindrops! <laughs> Let it rain! He said if uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman has confidence, he needs his players to have that much confidence when they shoot, which is why he never tells them not to shoot. I, I could play for Kevin Willard if he's not going to tell me not to shoot. Ask Jameer Young. <laughs> he played well tonight. Trevor, what else? This one's from Taylor. Coach Mack, are the Bengals going to get it done this weekend? Oh, yeah. Let's get Put a Put them on the spot, baby. Put them on the spot. Preview. Let's get a full preview of this game. What are the keys to this matchup, Mac? You think I'm going against my, my boys? <laughs> what, what are the keys? What are the keys? Break it down. I know. Let's be honest. You've paid way more attention to the Bengals this week than college basketball at all. So break down not, this matchup. Not just this week. If, if <laughs> <laughs> Man, I I love the way they played in Buffalo, man. Their line, you know, they moved the the rookie tackle uh, who's been playing guard his whole career at uh, with Cincinnati, came out of Clemson, Jackson Carmen. They moved him to tackle out of necessity because Jonah Williams went down, their left tackle. They were missing three starters last week in, yeah. against Buffalo and absolutely and, housed. And beat the hell out of them on the front line. I mean, Mixon, like, had holes bigger than he had all year. It looked like a preseason game, you know, and so – um, that was that was really encouraging to see. You know, obviously the Bengals have had Kansas City's number. Now, don't act like it's been 35 to 10 every game. It's been a nail biter. And uh, I, I think Mahomes is fine. 
you know, I think he'll be, whether it's painkillers, whatever it is, man, healing, he, uh, he'll be fine. I think he'll be as mobile as ever. It's going to be hard to win at Kansas City, but the fact that they're in the final four, they got a shot. That's all you can ask for, right? All I right, like Mac, him. I got a question for you. Yeah. So I'm a 49ers fan, and I live in the yeah. heart of uh, the heart of Eagles country. Like, I'm talking about my neighbors are diehards. I'm talking about my neighbor down the street made, married an Eagles cheerleader. I'm many, talking about how, how many Eagles, how many, how many Super Bowl championships do the Eagles have? They have more than one, or they have one. I think it's one. That's what I, that's what I thought, but I wasn't positive. Yeah, it was the uh, it was it was the Big Dick Nick one, and now uh, I think Big Cock Brock is going to find a way to get it done for us. They had another one too. Didn't they have one with Jaworski? They might have. They got two total. Two more championship. Two yeah, more yeah, championships. Yeah, yeah, two. Then, <laughs> they got right? two. They got okay. two. All right. Dagan right now is really upset with you, Mac, because uh, he's an Eagles fan. So. Oh, Rob, man. you gotta be careful because not only the Eagle fans crazy as hell. Yeah, they crazy. animated but about this. Th those oh, those yeah. prices right, right now for the Eagles Niners game is like through the roof. It's like three times what the Kansas City Chiefs Cincinnati Bengals prices are for tickets. Because believe me, I've looked. Yeah, they're maniacs, man. They're maniacs. So what was but your What should, was your question about your Niners? Should I feel confident? No. Should I feel good, man. I wouldn't feel as bad as everybody th thinks you're supposed to feel. Like. Brock Purdy's the real deal for a rookie, and their defense can hang with anybody. I, I don't care what anybody says. Like, I don't want to play the Niners if the Bengals get to the Super Bowl because, obviously, we've lost twice when we've gotten there. That's the only two appearances we've had. Well, we've had three now that you count last year, but played last year's at, at, at the Rams. I mean, how do you play a team in their home stadium for the Super Bowl? But that's another story. All right, last one for you, Mac. Yep. It's a choice. I'm putting you on the spot. Okay, no problem. Would you rather be Tony Romo calling the Super Bowl or would you rather be Grant Hill calling the Final Four? Depends who's in it. If it's Bengals is in it, it's easy. No, no, it doesn't, yeah, doesn't matter. Does it, you don't know. You don't know. You got to pick it going into the season. You got you to you make the pick at the start of the You don't know who it's going to be. I, I would probably rather be Grant Hill because I don't, I don't want to make a complete fool of myself, <laughs> not necessarily being a football term, vernacular understanding the game very well i'm trying but i think i know basketball just slightly better than football so i would, I would say final four i would hope too i would hope i would hope trevor we got anything else bow baby does michigan have any shot tomorrow against purdue yeah yeah where's the game at i don't know at michigan they're not going to be with jet howard i don't think oh. yeah they do because they have the one guy in the Big Ten, that might be able to like Matches go one on one against Zach. Yeah, one on one, that yep. might be the one guy. And I don't even know if that's going to work, but it might be the and, one guy. And got enough, got enough sh stuff to him. Got enough crap with him that that believes he could do it anyway. Yeah, yeah. Hunter Dickinson only shows Hunter up Dick, in the Big Ten. Yeah, he got enough toughness about him and enough, you know, he got enough shit to him that he, he might fuck around and give you thirty five and fifteen tomorrow. Right. Got to guard him too, right? That's yeah. what I'm saying. Zach got to go. Yeah. I mean, he's going to go at him. He's not going to take it. No, he's not going to back down. That's for sure. L let me ask you guys this, because this is something that I always think about when I'm betting on games. When you're, when you're coaching and there's a, an important player that's missing on the other team, right? Does that make it tougher to prepare for them? Because you don't necessarily know what you're going to see. Like when you got a team full strength, you got all the tape, you've seen what they do. You, you, you've kind of figured it out in league play, but if they're missing a key guy, you're kind of guessing, like, I think they're going to do this. I'm hoping they're going to do this. 
but well, they could be. I would say this: usually, you have some tape on on them playing without that guy, and if you don't, that means he got hurt the game before, and you have no idea whether he's playing or not. So you're preparing your team as if, as he's, if playing, he's playing. You know, you have no idea. Now, if all of a sudden they say he's out two weeks and he didn't play the last two games, now you got to feel for okay, who's the ball going to? What what else are they running now that you know this guy's out? Um, that that's that's usually how that happens. And if the guy hasn't just got hurt the last game, we, we're basically preparing the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's go to toast. All right, toast the night, and we'll get out of here. Mac, who you got? How about the Miller brothers? I'm going to toast both Sean and, and Arch for getting a win on the East Coast. Uh, my boys, glad for him. Obviously, that's a big win for Arch. He, he, he needs it in trying to take over uh, a program that he's trying to turn around. Good for the Miller brothers. RC, can we see you try to swirl that wine again? <laughs> I, <laughs> that. I, I tried to keep it out, I tried to keep it out of screen. I'm going to toast uh, Trace Jackson Davis tonight. Head coach wasn't there. Your Sid took over and, and, and was coaching them. And against the Minnesota team, they came out. They were flat. Didn't play well. Credit to Minnesota. They gave him all they had. But he made plays down the end of that game. Block shots. Finishing. Another strong double-double. Trace Jackson Davis. Cheers to Trace. Big 10 player of the year, RC? <laughs> all right. No. I got, I got two. I know I'm not supposed to do two, but I got two. Uh, I'm going to start... Toast, Dagan Hughes, producer Dagan Hughes. We're about 19 minutes late, uh, but yesterday was his birthday. So cheers. Happy birthday, Dagan Hughes. Nuts uh, hanging. Field of 68 would not be what it is without nuts hanging. Dagan out here trying, and I emphasize trying to keep us in line. Uh, my second toast <laughs> is going to Drew Pember of UNC Asheville. Wow. 48 what points, what 12 game. boards, 8 for 10 from 3. Uh, they won in overtime against the Presbyterian Blue Hose, which is probably the greatest name that any, uh, <laughs> any basketball team has, the Blue Hose. But they are now first place in the Big South, 8-1 and one in the league. So, toast Drew Pember, Mike Morrell, Dagan Hughes, the Miller Brothers, and Trace Jackson Davis to the chat, to Randolph Childress, to Chris Mack, producer Trevor. My name is Rob Doster. This has been the Field of 68 After Dark.